Welcome back. It's episode seven of the Sons of Pitches podcast. We got a special episode for you guys. It's going to be a great one. It is the mid-season review. We are talking each of the top leagues, all of our favorite leagues, how it's been so far, what we think it's going to end up like, and just reflecting on everything that's happened so far. Um, we got the boys here. We got Angelo, we got G, and we got Patricio Romano himself. If you haven't caught that video yet, Patrick's going to be keeping us updated all January through the transfer window. All the biggest transfers, all the biggest rumors, what we need and where we need it. Um, but starting off hot, the only league that played this weekend was the Serie A. A couple of big games in there for kind of shaping up how the second half is going to be. So I will leave the floor open to my Italianos to tell us how this weekend went and then lead us in that conversation of how this season has gone. Yeah, so I think um, there's only a couple of matches uh, for, to be exact, that I think were... Uh, of importance, so we might as well start in order. Um, we saw Inter really get by by the skin of their teeth uh, this weekend against Halas Verona. There was a red card shown to Verona. Um, it was a uh, it was a pretty interesting game, a really nutty ending, one of the crazier matches I remember seeing in the Serie A. Um, I don't know about you, John Luca, but I really thought for a second Verona was gonna snatch a point uh, at the San Siro. Uh, and disappoint Inter, but uh, Inter clearly had the laughs. Laugh. It was an absolutely disgusting game to watch uh, from the perspective of a Milan fan. Um, what did you think about the game? Yeah, you know, I think you hit the nail right on the head. It was a pretty disgusting game to watch overall. Uh, pretty dirty game. I mean, it was nasty from both teams, I thought. Nobody really took any chances. They were just going for blood. I don't really understand why. I don't really remember Inter or Verona really having any sort of, like, hate for each other or anything like that. I mean, they don't compete with each other in the table at all. But, yeah, I mean, my biggest takeaways from this game is, like, I don't know what was going on with VAR, um, especially on Fratesi's winner. Because if you ask me, I said this to, I said this to you, Angelo. I think, I think Bastoni dropped the people's elbow on that guy in the box. And yeah, they didn't even bad. call it back. I couldn't believe what I was watching. So, I mean, I have a lot of question marks there. I don't know how you can let us goal stand. And literally, like, I mean, it was so blatant of an elbow. I, I don't know how you missed that. But, and the other yeah. thing that really, the other thing that really bothered me, too, just before I wrap up about this game, because, I don't know, it would, the thing that bothered me the most was when they missed the penalty at the end, Hellas Verona, uh, DeMarco and Echerby go right in Henri's face and just fucking, like, like yeah, screaming at him. And I'm like... Relax, bro. Yeah. Like you're playing against Verona. Why are you celebrating like this? Like, right. let's 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 be real here. Yeah, yeah. It was a match that was on the knife edge uh, for the majority of the game. You could feel it kind of slipping out of the grips of the referee, and even from the players. I think a lot of people were acting a little uncharacteristic of themselves. Um, not the best advert um, for the Serie A, in my opinion. But it was ultimately an inter side that showed their class. Uh, Lautaro Martinez again popping up. Uh, scoring a goal early, I thought he was super influential in the match. Um, a game where Marcus Duram didn't really play as well. Um, they didn't get too much contribution from their wingbacks. Um, and it was Lautaro again. Uh, the penalty that Hellas Verona got, honestly, at that point in the game, I did not think he was going to score. I, th I seriously thought, with respect to Thomas Henry, but in that stadium, the whistling, the booing, the magnitude of that chance... Um, Verona's season pretty much being on the line. 1-1, one, one, you're away at um, the San Siro with a chance to, to nick the game at the end. I honestly did not think 
he ever had a chance of scoring. And it was really, I think if you watched the game, you might have thought the same thing as well because it was just a super back-and-forth game. A lot of nerves, misplaced passes. Um, and I guess we should highlight uh, Fratesi, uh, who came off the bench to score again. Uh, this kid uh, is really making a case to start. I think if I think if he wasn't trying to break into the best midfield trio um, in Italy, he'd, he'd be a starter. I think he'd be a starter on every single team in the Serie A except for Inter right now. Um, so it was cool to see him pop up for a goal. He was a player that I really liked, a profile that I liked. It's unfortunate that he's going to represent Inter seemingly for a long time. I think him and Barella are going to be a very successful partnership once he breaks into the team, uh, hopefully for the Azzurri as well. But we'll move on to the next game uh, that I wanted to speak about, which was Torino-Napoli. A not-so-shocking result, um, if I'm going to be completely honest. There was a Napoli team that was a little depleted. They're without their talisman, Osiman, obviously for the AFCON. Uh, he won't be there for at least a couple of weeks. Um, but there's really no excuses for Napoli to not have at least gotten a point from this game. I thought they were pretty pretty underwhelming. What did, what did you think, John? Yeah, you know, I think um, if there was ever a game to sum up, sum up Napoli's season in a nutshell, I think it was this. I yeah. mean, it was pretty poor all around. I know they don't have Osimhen and Gisa as well. He's away at AFCON. So, yeah, it is kind of tough for them. But I don't know. It's it's really annoying watching this Napoli team and to see just how far they've fallen. Like, it's just... You expect them that maybe they're going to show up the next week and, and things are going to turn on and they're going to get going again. And it's just seeming like they're going to keep falling further and further back. Uh, I I didn't think Walter Mazzari was the job when was the man for the job when they appointed him to replace Rudy Garcia, and um, I think my point is being proven now. Uh, the problem is if they sack him, I don't know who, where you go from here. Who, who do you who do you sign? Who's available? You know, so I, I, they're kind of I don't know. They're they're in a really really difficult fork in the road. I think not right now, Napoli. Yeah, it was an unfortunate game. Mazzari obviously watched this game from the stands. Uh, as well, not sure how much that weighed uh, on the minds of the Napoli players. Something interesting I wanted to point out, it's a Napoli team that have, without a goal scored in the last four games, they've only scored four goals now in the last eight games. Um, they lost 3-0 to Inter, 1-0 to Napoli. They lost 4-0 in the Cup, of course, to Frosinone. Lost 2-0 to Euroma um, a couple weekends ago, and it's a 3-0 smashing uh, at the feet of Torino, a Torino side who I'll give them a little credit. They've actually been in decent form. They're now one point um, behind Napoli in 10th place. Um, but what a, what a terrible result for Napoli. I'm not sure where they go from here. They're, they're desperate for signings. Um, we saw a signing make his debut in this game as well. Um, young Pasquale Mazzocchi, he was a, he's a Naples native. Uh, I'm sure he was uh, over the moon to make his debut. Uh, but, of course, it was short-lived, uh, about four minutes into it. Uh, we saw him go studs up above the knee uh, on a Torino player, and he was almost instantly dismissed. I know it went to VAR, and the referee had a look at it, but it looked like he was just so energized to make uh, a play on the ball that he unfortunately was dismissed four minutes into his debut. So not not the best uh, winter period for Napoli, and it doesn't really look like there's any signs of it uh, getting better so far. Um did you have anything else to add, or do you want to move to the next game as well? Uh, the only thing I wanted to add was uh, I, I want to big up Duvan Zapata real quick because yep. my man 
you know, I've always been an admirer of Duvin Zapata. He he did some great things at Atalanta. He's been a, I'd say he's a Serie A legend at this point in time, in my opinion, at least for 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 me growing up watching him play all these years. Yeah. And to see him in a different side now and still able to do the things he was able to do. I know he started off kind of slow this season, but uh, he's had a fantastic December, and it seems like his form is carrying over to January. So hopefully he continues that form, but not too well because if if this keeps going, they're going to catch up to us too. So yeah, he's. A Serie A fan favorite for sure. It was a little uh, questionable when Gasparini kind of kicked him out the door at Atalanta. I know it's an Atalanta side that's getting younger, but it was interesting, you know, a former Napoli player himself to bag two assists. Um, yeah, it was it was pretty interesting. Uh, let's move on to another uh, absolutely disgusting game. Um, Juventus picking on Salernitana. Now, uh, for those watching closely, this matchup uh, had just taken place a couple weeks prior. Um, where Juventus smashed Salernitana 6-1, absolutely snatched their soul from them. Right, yeah. it was. Yeah, I think they played back-to-back matches, actually. Um, Mm -hmm. So it was a game that not many people expected in, but it was a game in which Salernitana took the lead first and again. Um, And it was another game where I thought uh, an underdog was going to snatch a point away from one of the teams towards the top of the table, but again, it wasn't meant to be. Uh, there was a, a red card in this match as well, shown to Maggiore, who had uh, scored a goal as well. Um, but again, it was Juventus kind of flexing their muscles at the end. I, I, I don't think this was really ever a result that was in doubt for Juventus. I think um, I think it's a Juventus that uh, is starting to get results even when they're not playing as well, and everybody knows that um, that's a characteristic that most of the time the teams that win the league tend to have. Um, if there's anyone I want to shout out, uh, it'd be Dusan Vlaovic, somebody who I know I've been pretty critical of him, but he popped up with an assist and he had a beautiful header for the winner, um, <coughs> albeit from a Salernitana mistake. But yeah, Vlaovic and Juventus got the job done again. No signs of slowing down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. I think uh, the only thing I really want to add about Juventus is. Uh, it's kind of impressive how good their midfield's been lately because at the start of the season we were all asking so many questions about their midfield and they really they really didn't have a standout player in there like if you look at the names on the team sheet they got Locatelli right. in there Rabio McKinney and you really you wouldn't expect much from that and I have to say McKinney especially the last few weeks has been really impressive for me because I mean he got relegated with Leeds last season and to come yeah. back into the U- this Juventus side, and he was playing at right wing back for a while and doing well there, and now he's back into his, his natural position in the center of midfield, and he's pretty much made that position his own. So I, I just wanted to give him a little shout-out because I think he deserves it. He uh, He's had a tough little time, I think, at Juventus so far, but it's good to see him kind of making his uh, efforts worthy. Yeah, and I think... Um, you got something to add, Nate? Yeah. Yeah, I wanted to. I just wanted a bit of foreshadowing um, right before we kick off that, that last game that you guys want to mention. Um, it, it, like, as we just talked about, sometimes squeaking out these wins when you're not playing so well is exactly how you win a right. title. And, like, we'll get to that conversation. Both those teams are trying to secure those three points for that title race. Um, and, obviously, they did so in ugly fashion. But at the end of the day, three points is three points, no matter how pretty they look. Right. Yeah, it's a very. There was two very good examples of that uh, this weekend, Nate. It's a great point. Um, and yeah, the last match we'll talk about was one that's closer to John Lucas' heart than it is mine. But it was a one-one draw, non-loss against 
a team was considered to be a top six team in the Serie A for Roma. I thought they were the better team in this match. I know John Luca thought that as well. Um, what were your takeaways, G? Yeah, you know, like you said, uh, second game in a row that we haven't lost to a top six side. So yeah, write it down. Up, I guess you could say. Um, I don't know. I don't really know what I was expecting going into this game, to be honest, because I don't know. Atalanta is kind of a bogey side for us. I don't. I don't. I never feel like we play well against them, even when we play them at home. And yeah, it w- that's kind of how it felt for me. I mean, I thought we played okay for the first five six minutes of the game. And then Atalanta came right up the field and stunned us. I mean, I think it was a sucker punch the way they scored. They they really didn't yeah. offer nothing to the game up until that point. And they went, went up 1-0. Up and, I mean, I thought we were definitely the better side from that point on. I mean, we were probably controlling the game even before they scored as well. And the penalty kick, maybe a little touch and go. I don't I don't know. I thought, I thought it was a little soft, but I'll take it. You know, as a Roma fan, I, I like to see those decisions go our way every once in a while, so why not? Uh, Dybala slotted at home. And from there, I honestly really expected us to go on and win, c- considering the way the game was going. And I was pretty disappointed with our lack of lack of finishing in the game. Uh, I do want to shout out uh, Rasmus Christensen, who has had a fucking terrible go of it so far as a Roma player. Uh, the fans pretty much fucking hate him. But the last two games, he's played center back, and he's been outstanding. So yeah, maybe he he's going to turn, turn some things around. I thought he I thought he was the, pretty much our best player on the pitch, actually, against Atalanta. I was pretty impressed with him. And I also want to shout out Dean Hoysen, who we have just signed from Juventus literally like three days ago. Played this weekend, came on at halftime, and I was thoroughly impressed. I mean, for an 18-year-old kid to have that kind of composure on the ball and, and tactical knowledge to come into a Jose Mourinho team and play like that, I thought it was actually really impressive. And uh, I'm a little disappointed we don't have the means to make it uh, a permanent deal due to financial fair play at this moment in time. But uh, I hope he can fill that role that we're missing without Smalling there. And um, I'm really hoping we can do something permanently with him because I think he could be a very special player. And I'd love to take another good one off Juventus, that's for sure, because they have too many of them right now. Yeah, yeah, it was interesting to see him deputize for uh, Llorente, who's been integral uh, in Roma's defense ever since Smalling has been um, on the facilities table. I thought Christensen was pretty good, too. Uh, you made a great point there. Um, I actually thought the Hoisin deal it kind of pissed me off, to be honest. I think it's kind of just kind of rubs me the wrong way, seeing uh, two teams that are kind of rivals develop a player for Juventus who is really of no use to Roma, especially, like you say, with the financial fair play. For those that don't know what's going on, Roma's practically being blocked from buying any players outright. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a dry loan, six months, um, and he's going to ship right back to Juventus. He actually signed a new contract with Juventus before being sent out on loan to Roma. So, I don't know, that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. If I was Roma, I'd probably say, screw, like, I'm not going to develop your player for you, but I guess... Desperate times call for a desperate measure. It's pretty cool yeah, that Mourinho has apparently requested for him personally. He's um, going is, with you. Is said to be a big fan of the kids. So we'll see. Uh, Jose Mourinho was sent off again. Uh, I can't even keep track of how many red cards he's had this season. So he won't be um, on the touchline against Milan um, in their next match. Um, but yeah, this was a this was a pretty big game um, for the top four or five race. Um, and with that being said, we might as well go into our midseason table review for the Serie A. How does that sound? 
Yeah, I think that sounds fantastic. From an outside point of view, I'll give my just quick what I what I see at it, and then that way you guys can kind of like pick apart my argument. But it like like we've talked about pretty much so far this whole season, it does look like a two horse race. Like we just mentioned, they scrap away points every now and then when they most need it, and that's honestly how you win titles is not losing, not so much winning, but not losing or dropping points. Um, but then I I think. Credit to your Milan, I think, um, despite you telling me that a lot of the Milan fans on social media kind of want Pioli's head, I think you guys kind of got that third place locked up. Um, and then there's a huge fight that I'm for that. Yeah, knock on wood, of course. But I think there's that huge fight for fourth place that I know you guys are going to pick apart right now. Um, that looks really interesting. Um, and it seems like there are some teams that are going straight down. Um but it could get interesting. So from there, I'll let you guys really go in detail. Uh, yeah, well, I think it's it's definitely a two-horse race. I think Milan's keeping it somewhat interesting. It's just been uh, quite upsetting that in this run of games that Milan has had against some really favorable sides, uh, we've been picking up mostly three points, uh, with the exception of the Salernitana match. It's just been kind of frustrating seeing Inter and Juventus show absolutely no signs of slowing down. Um, they're jumping over every single hurdle uh, that's coming their way recently. Uh, but yeah, I think I think the main thing to talk about here is the race for the Champions League places. Now, if the new format does go through as of right now, today, January 8th, um, Milan, or rather the Serie A, is going to have five uh, spots for the Champions League. I think that's vitally important uh, for the future of Serie A, which is a completely other... Uh, completely different conversation, but there's a couple of teams that are within touching distance now, especially Torino, too, with um, beating Napoli on the weekend. They're in 10th place, but they're within five points of the fifth-place spot, which is currently being held by Bologna, um, who are a point behind Fiorentina in fourth place. Um, and we have Atalanta, Lazio, Roma, all within a point of each other right uh, between those sides. So it's been fun. There's going to be some... I think it's going to be a wild finish. Uh, it's just going to be about who can keep their form um, I was particularly pleased this weekend uh, for Milan's sake because uh, Fiorentina dropped points, uh, all three of them, to be exact, this weekend. So we saw a six-point cushion open up between us um, and fourth through tenth. It's not something I want to see us dip into and be involved in personally because uh, I'm hoping that we can make a deep run in the Europa League this year. So if we can kind of have a top three finish wrapped up, um, hopefully by... April, say, um, we can put all our eggs into the Europa League basket. But uh, what do you what do you think is, is in the future for Roma, John Luca? How do you think they're going to fare the rest of the way? Yeah, you know, um, the last couple seasons, I think this race from about third, fourth place down to like seventh or eighth has been the thing to watch in Serie A, and, and this is exactly the story. I think this is actually going to be the best race of all of them so far. Um, personally, for Roma, I. I think we're going to fall short again. I, I don't see any way, uh, really, of us getting into the Champions League on the way we've been playing and, and just the evidence I've seen so far. I mean, we fall short at the most vital times every time. I, I mean, I think this weekend's a prime example of that again. I mean, it's another example of a game against a team that we're competing with. We, pro we were better throughout the game, and we just couldn't take our chance, and I think that just sums up our season in the last couple of years and probably the entire Jer Mourinho era perfectly, if, you, if I'm being quite honest here. So... I don't know. I'm hoping that we can make it into the Europa League again because I don't expect uh, 
us to make it in the league or to win the Europa League. So, yeah, I think fifth place is our best bet, unfortunately, which has been the story of uh, my life, pretty much. Yeah, that's that's good that you know your place in the table. Um, Patrick or Nate, do you guys have any other questions or concerns uh, for the Serie A table for the rest of the way? I want to bring up. So mm-hmm. I was looking at the table the other day um, when the games are finishing, and from fourth to tenth, I mean, it's only six points. I know you guys brought this up a little earlier. From fourth to about Torino, so it's it's just crazy that this is going to be a it's going to be a dogfight, and even the relegation battle too. I mean, you look, it's one point separating each team. I know they're all on bad runs of form. I mean, Udinese and. and and like these teams are gonna be in a dogfight at the end of the season to see who's gonna stay up. I'm I'm very interested to see because you know obviously from a Premier League perspective you can kind of see who's gonna finish at the bottom and who's gonna finish in right. Europe probably by this point. But what I like about the the Serie A is like just the level of competition that you guys have. You know, like the yeah. the dogfight of that those six points. I mean, you're talking about Torino wins two in a row and. Fiorentina loses two in a row, and now they're tied, right? So it's right. just going to be – it's very odd, obviously. Yeah. And, and, just, and just, just to go off what you said, Pat, about the fight between the bottom and the top being pretty similar, the thing that's most interesting to me about it is the teams that are fighting for Europe are grabbing players off the teams that are fighting with each other for relegation. Right. Like, Hellas Verona have lost Isaac Yen, and they've lost Terracciano. Empoli lost Matsaki, like Udinese are about to lose some margins to Napoli. Like this is good. This is going to change the story drastically moving forward. So it's it's going to be even crazier than it is already right now. Yeah, I don't even think of that. Yeah, I think I think the bottom four teams, respectfully, are. I I don't I can't see the bottom four teams changing because even if Udinese loses some margins, I think they have the quality to stay above. Um. The relegation zone. If there's a team that I'd like to come out of the relegation zone, it would be Hellas Verona. I think, if I'm going to be really honest, I think Hellas Verona is like my closet Serie A team that I always loved supporting and watching. They've always played a great three-back system. They produce some good players. Empoli themselves, I have a little bit of a stake in Empoli uh, now, uh, thanks to So Rare. But they've they've been a team too that has produced quality Serie A players throughout the years, the likes of Di Lorenzo, um, the likes of Ismael Benacer, who has been a big contributor uh, to Milan, a Scudetto winner. Same goes for Di Lorenzo, who's the captain of Napoli and, and the Azzurri um, for the most part now with Spalletti being in charge there. So I'd like to see Hellas Verona leapfrog Cagliari and stay up, but I think it's going to be a mix of those bottom four teams um, that go down. What do you think, Gianluca? Can you see somebody like Sassuolo? Uh, their bad run of form continuing, or or not so much. I know they snatched a win very unexpectedly against Fiorentina, but that was a yeah, that was a six, that was almost a six pointer for them. Yeah, I know. I think uh, personally, it's been squeaky bum time for a while down in Sassuolo. I think they've been struggling. Uh, if yeah. you look at their record, they have ten losses. The only team that has ten losses is Frosinone, and everybody else who has more than them is in the relegation zone. So it's yeah. uh, it's going to be pretty difficult for them, especially given their run of form but I don't know they have Berardi and Berardi is one player that none of those other teams in the bottom half of the player of bottom half of the league have so he's 100%. a real difference maker and he's probably somebody that will make the difference in keeping them up in the end uh personally I have to agree with you however I think um I think Salernitana is going to survive I really do 
Wow, you're a madman. Yeah. I really do. Yeah, I, was about to, I, mean, crazy. I mean, it's one, with one win, they're out. So right. who knows? You, and not only that, if you look at some of the other teams in there, I think they have the best mix of experience and youth to mm-hmm. get the job done. Okay, especially with someone like Kondreva leading the line. Right. Yep. So I think personally, my my three that I picked to go down was uh, I actually have Empoli finishing bottom, disappointingly, because uh, out of those teams, I probably have, uh, I guess I hold Empoli the closest because, like you said, they produce a lot of good talent, and I they're a team I always enjoy watching, and I like Baldanzi. He's uh, a young Italian kid that I enjoy watching playing right now. And uh, it's going to be sad if he's not playing in Serie A and he stays with them next season and goes down, I think. Um, I also think Cagliari and Verona are going to be the other two to drop. So okay. that's my prediction there. I'm interested. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah. You, yeah, you can go, Nate. Uh, I, I want to just, because I'm, I'm a man, I love looking at data. I love looking at um, different kind of numbers and point of views. Um, so, so Verona, um, of all those teams in the contention for relegation, have the least goals conceded. Um, they're not scoring too often. Um, and then I best goalkeeper as well, in my opinion. Do they? So th- that's. I'm glad you. I'm glad you made that point because that was kind of where I was going with it. But also, I like. Uh, we've done this, Ange, with so rare um, as we do. Love looking yep. at data. Um, I looked at home and away form and what the table would look like just based on those games, and it seems like both Verona okay. and Empoli move out um, of the relegation zone. On away games, most interestingly. So it's a question, wow. I feel like, if oh, obviously, right. obviously you guys have a deeper stake and more emotion, more passion in it. Is it in fact that their schedule was tough for home games and now they're going to have return legs of like the quote-unquote easier sides in the league and get better results? Is it they just need to improve their home performance? Um, is Verona need to match that back line and that goalkeeper with goals scored and like kind of things like that? Well, uh, that's interesting. Yeah, I think it's going to be a little difficult for them to match that, considering they just sold their best center back to Atalanta, and they're about to sell another great defender and wing back, in my opinion, in Terracciano. Already done as of today. Yeah, so I think uh, that's that. That's pretty much fueling my reasoning for them going down because I think, uh, I mean, defensively, that's one of their strong suits, Alice Brown, and I think if you take out Two players like Kian and Terracciano, I think it makes things really difficult to uh, mm. look at survival in a positive way. Yeah, you actually, you bring up a really good point, Nate, about Verona, because I'm going to be honest, I've, I've watched the majority of their games this season. Like I said, I, I kind of am a closet fan of them. I, the, Verona is the type of team that, um, honestly, no matter, I think they play up to their competition, and a lot of the times when they travel away, uh, case in point being this weekend to Inter, they go for it. Um, mm-hmm. They play expansive football. They are not afraid to get their wingers forward, their wingbacks forward right behind them. Lump balls into the box. They have um, Milan Zurich, who's an absolute tree um, and has been in decent form recently. Um, Thomas Henri is pretty much averaging a goal off the bench every time he makes an, a cameo, um, which is exactly how it played out on the weekend. He, obviously, he probably should have had a brace with the penalty that he spooned um, off the post. But, yeah, I, 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 think, I think Verona... I think Verona has what they need to get done. I bring up the goalkeeper, Lorenzo Montipal. He's 27 years old, Italian. He's somebody that I absolutely do not expect to play in the Serie B if Verona go down. I think you might even see him be signed by a top 10 Serie A team, in my opinion. 
Um, the Roma need a keeper, right? He's one we're looking at. They're going to They need to play Svilar for so rare. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's. I don't really have any else further to comment on the relegation battle. What about you, G? I think it's about time we move country here. Yeah, I mean, other than that, I don't really have much else to say about the relegation. I think, uh, like you said, it's going to be a two-horse race up front. I think um, the Derby d'Italia on February 4th, which... Uh, I have it written down some here, somewhere, but it's. Uh, I think it's like round 24. That's going to be, in my opinion, the game that decides the league. I think uh, if whatever team comes out of that game with three points, I think they're going to go on, and uh, that's really going to spur the confidence to to make the final step and win the league. I know it's a little while away from from the end still. I think it's probably. I think there's still 14 games after that. But I mean, if you yeah. if you if you, I think if you win that game, how can you not feel like you have every right to go in? do it from there so personally that's that's where i where i'm at and i think uh in my opinion i think it's going to be milan, inter milan that do it to be honest i really believe that they uh they've made the signings and i think lautaro is going to an absolute another level this season and i think uh marcus Taram has been pivotal to them being where they are this season and i think um along with fratesi as well just being able to bring a guy like that off the bench is just absurd in my opinion so I think they have uh, they have won the Scudetto in my opinion already. <laughs> I'm glad I'm glad you That's said I'm, gonna say. I'm glad you said something like that, G, because I want to wrap that up <clears throat> before we move on. Um, I just wanted to finish out with just two two questions, which you've already answered, which is your pick for the Scudetto. So I'll give Ange an opportunity to answer that, and then just between the two of you guys, um, and we'll, we'll we'll mimic this again later with the Premier League. Throw out your what we little do our five aside. Best team. I know Ange already threw out a goalkeeper, so we're kind of a fifth of the way there. Um, but Ange, I'll let you pick your Scudetto winner. He my pick. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> well, we'll get to the five aside. But my answer, uh, unfortunately, doesn't really differ from my brothers. I think it's going to be Inter as well. I think they have the strongest team in the Serie A. I think they've had the strongest team in the Serie A, honestly, for the past three or four seasons. Um, I think everybody was shocked to see the way Napoli absolutely dominated the Serie A last season. Um, and the season before that, I, I particularly was surprised to see Milan win the Scudetto. It's not something that I thought we were going to be adding to our trophy cabinet at the time. Um, but yeah, I think it's I think it's interseason as well. I won't go as far to say that it's wrapped up because, of course, there is the Derby, the Italia still to be played. Um, but I think it's going to be Inter. Um, and with that, let's go into the five aside. Now, I, I did big up Montipo. Unfortunately, I don't think he's been the best. Um, performer in goal this season in the Serie A. I would normally pick Mike Magnan, but uh, I think he's been below his best this season, mm -hmm. unfortunately. Um, the first I name actually... I want to throw out is Jan Sommer, um, and I think that's a really easy pick to make, but he's in an inter side mm -hmm. that's only conceded nine goals this season. Um, he's kept a more clean sheets than I can count on my hands, so... Uh, do you have a goalkeeper shout? I know you're the expert, John Luca. Uh, yeah, I, I do uh, thoroughly respect the Summer. I think he's a world class keeper. He actually was not my shout though. I know he's. Uh, I actually know. I know what you're gonna say now. I fucked up. Go. Who do you think? I let you. Uh, pick. I think. I think you're gonna pick Good young uh, Di Gregorio from Monza. I think he's been the Serie A's best goalkeeper. Is that what you were gonna say? It was between him and uh, Terracciano. but I think. I think. Uh, 
Gregorio just barely edges it just because of the amount yeah, he's of great. fair, unbelievable saves I've seen him make this, make this season. And he, even last season, I think he was pretty impressive to me, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, he caught my eye a bit when he, when Monza came up last year, and I think he's he's taken another step this season. So uh, it's good to see him. I think there's a lot of there's a lot of good Italian goalkeepers out there right now. It's unfortunate only mm-hmm. one of them can play for the national team at the time. Yeah, I agree. I think I think Di Gregorio is a worthy pick. What about um, defenders? Are there any profiles that stick out to you? Um, I'll, I'll give a couple here. I think Teo Hernandez has been exceptional for Milan. Um, Di Lorenzo's been below his best, in my opinion, so I'm not sure I would pick him. Um, I mean, I if I had to give out, a... Uh, I was going to toss out Bremer. Yeah, I I was gonna, he was my pick I if I was going to give a Juve that. defender as well. Uh, um, not only that, too, if you if you remember, I mean, people were kind of shitting on him when they when he joined from Torino at first. I don't think he he was really getting the respect that uh, he he was expecting that he was going to get, and um, he probably wasn't playing up to the level that he should have either. But now he's definitely stepped into the role of being uh, Juventus's lead center back. And I mean, I think Lukaku is still trying to find out his way out of that guy's pocket because every time he fucking plays Bremer, he does nothing. So, right. No, that's a fair shout. I think I'm okay with with Bremer. I think personally it's going to have to be a uh, Inter player or Juventus player. If I could highlight an Inter player, I think a Cherby, I don't know how, but he doesn't seem like he's slowing down anytime soon. He's almost been a mainstay in Spalletti's Azzurri team, um, which is nice to see. I mean, he's, he's he has a pretty interesting story. Um, but I'm okay with giving it to Bremer. I would give it to Danilo if he wasn't hurt and had played some more games. But I think I don't think Bremer's missed a match yet this season, so yeah, I'm like okay Bremer. with that. Um, let's move to midfielders. Um, there's not too many names that jump off the table this year. I know, you know, we lost a couple good Serie A midfielders. I know we lost my uh, beloved Sanjo Tonali. We saw uh, Malinkovic Savic uh, make a move to the Saudi league. Luis Alberto has been below his best. Who? Is one of my favorite Serie A players. Um, there's not too many names sticking out to me right now. Um, is there anyone that sticks out to you, John? Yeah, I think uh, for me, really most impressively, probably would be Chalinoglu. I think uh, considering mm. he's not a defensive midfielder at all, naturally, and to step into yeah. Brozovic's role. I mean, I know he took it over last season, but he's solidified number one, pretty much first name on the team sheet, I think, for Inzaghi. I think he's been their most consistent and best player week in and week out. So, for me, I think there's no other, there's no argument. I think it has to be Hakan. Yeah, that's a fair choice. He's actually the second highest Serie A rated player this season behind his compatriot, um, Lautaro Martinez, who uh, I think we can just make the jump to forward. I mean, he's he's my outstanding he's pick for, out. for mm-hmm. forward, and if it's not him, it'd be his teammate Marcus Taram. Um, that's the flex. Yeah, La- I think Lautaro Martinez is... Has been brilliant. Um, it's an inter-heavy side, yeah. As you say, I think I think Marcus Taram um, would be my pick for flex as well. If not, I'd love to see Joshua Xerxes in there, just from mm-hmm. um, a streets won't forget type of pick. But yeah, Marcus Taram and Latar—they've had a brilliant partnership. Um, they're pretty much number one and two in the Serie A for goal contributions this season. They—it seems like every single match, one of them is providing a goal or an assist, if not the both of them. Um, yeah, an inter-heavy team. Uh, not my favorite type of season. Yeah, I wanted but... to jump in. Um, so I know yeah. that, you know, Go. Andrew, you've, bad, you've not bad mouth, but you've talked down on, um, you know, Olivier Giroud a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, <clears throat> tied second in 
top scorer in the league, and he's also got the second most goals and assists ahead of yeah. Marcus Brown. Kind of, I guess you could say, carrying the team and 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 respect of workload. So, just wondering yeah. why so quick not to consider him and maybe put, uh, you know, Marcus Turam. Obviously, the impact is great, but playing alongside Lautaro, Lautaro is pretty seemingly easy for him at the moment. And you know, to kind of carry the workload like Giroud does. I mean, I just was wondering your your thought on that. Yeah, I actually yeah. wanted to ask you about that too, Ange, because. Mm. Uh, I don't know. It's just confused because I was I was shocked to see that Jerusalem had scored that many goals this season, especially hearing how you badmouth them most of the time. And I I really wanted to know like who do you think is Milan's real main goal threat at all? I mean, I think well, I think when you look at the stats, I think uh, it's it's easy to pick Giroud, But I think when you actually watch matches, I think Giroud is somebody that ultimately, although he finds his name on the score sheet, I just don't think he's somebody that's making the difference. I think. Um, we lack a lot more when someone like Rafael Leao is not on the team, um, and especially Christian Pulisic. If I had to pick a name, um, a forward for Milan to make this five-a-side, it, it would be Christian Pulisic. If out of Giroud and Rafael Leao, um, I know Leao has been far below his best as well um, this season. And yeah, I think Giroud's quietly having a really solid season numbers-wise. But I also like see Luka Jovic come into our team and perform just as well, if not better. And I think there's other profiles that could come into this Milan team and, and do just as well with the type um, of chances he's getting. But, yeah, I, I, it's hard to badmouth Giroud. He's an ultimate professional. I, I wouldn't say I want him replaced. He's a great player to have in the squad. Anybody you have your eye on? Uh, we'll be here forever. Maybe I'll be on the next Patrizio Romano episode. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, but let's, uh, I was let's... going to say before we digress really quick, uh, what's really yeah. impressive, I think, is uh, Lautaro has 16 goals, one penalty goal. Yeah. And, uh, Turam has seven goals, zero penalty goals. So I think yeah. that kind of yeah. justifies your guys' statement about Marcus, obviously. Yeah. Um, yeah. With the it's hard four not... pens, so. It's hard not to pick an inter-heavy team. I mean, they're the best attacking and defensive team in, in the league, so. Yep. Yeah. yeah, I was just. Um, it really could be. It really could be a full inter five aside. It really could. Yeah, yeah. I was just about to say that uh, to back up Angus on the field performance for Giroud, half almost half his goals come from penalties. Um, so it says like yeah, a little bit. I just bit. don't think he's he stood out as as much as he should be. Right. Still gotta score him. Right, and I'd uh, and I'd shout probably Marcus Turam as an easy easy pick as transfer of the season so far in the Serie. A. Um, but yeah, we, with that being said, we will now swing our way to um, the only other uh, country. I'm not going to say league because it was a cup games. Um, only other country that had games this weekend. One in particular, um, a few weeks ago, would have said a lot. I think more than maybe it did on the title race because these two teams were at the top. Um, now one has dropped. But the Liverpool-Arsenal game was fun to watch this weekend. A um, couple comments on that game as we move directly into the title uh, title race. Obviously, that game doesn't have anything to do with the title, but it's interesting nonetheless. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think if 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 ever there was a game where Arsenal need a striker, I think this is it. I mean, we've been, it's been the story of Arsenal for what the past four or five games now. I mean, they mm -hmm. make chance after chance. I certainly don't think they play bad enough to lose two zero in this game at all, in my opinion. Right. I thought they made great chances. They probably should score. Uh, I know a lot of people are talking about them signing Ivan Tony. Personally, I don't think Ivan Tony adds anything to that team. Uh, I think Brentford probably won't even sell him. And I think 
from what I saw today, he wants to stay at Brentford. He wants to repay them for being faithful to him for the last eight months that he's been serving this band. So I'd say that's pretty understandable for him to at least see out the season with them. But yeah, I mean, I it's I got if you're an Arsenal fan, it's got to be so fucking aggravating watching this shit every week, man. Because I mean, they went in the span of two weeks, they went from in contention for what winning a treble to probably winning no titles now at this point. I mean, it's pretty it's pretty right. sad. So I mean, I, if I'm if I almost like not to not to overreact here, but like kind of to overreact. I mean, can Arteta really take this team any farther at this point right now? If we really look at it, if we're going to be real critical here, what more can he improve? I don't think he can take these players any further, personally. Unless he gets a striker in here, which he's been so adamant at saying they're not doing in the winter, which is fucking mind-boggling to me, first of all. But that's besides the point anyway. I, I just don't think he can... I don't see him improving this team and them taking another step forward. I think they've reached their, their peak, if that makes sense. I don't know what you guys think about it, but personally, I just... That's where I feel right now with this Arsenal team. I mean, I can comment a little bit um, on Arteta. I mean, I started. I mean, I get it. It's the third round of the FA Cup. Okay, fine. You don't have to put the strongest team out there, but I mean, you're playing somebody who's about as slow as molasses at left back, not for nothing, right. and like he hasn't really had any time to play, and he puts out an absolute shambolic performance. I thought, and scoring an goal on top of it all. Uh, I mean, if he can't catch Cody, Cag- uh, Cody Gakpo in a race, I mean, who can he catch, you know? I mean, they yeah. just did not look good. They looked like they were just, you know, kicking a ball around. I mean, Havertz had a dreadful game. I mean, he's he's atrocious in the middle sometimes. Uh, it just didn't look like they wanted to be there. They kind of just went out there for a nice cardio session. I mean, I know I talked about uh, Saka a little bit. Um Talking about how, you know, we should start respecting him as one of the best uh, wingers in the league. But right. he's been champ- he's been dreadful the last four games. I mean, he's he's been nothing. I don't know if you guys saw that meme. He uh, dyed his hair. And they said mm-hmm. he's uh, turning into Marcus Rashford. So, it's funny how it's almost like they swapped form. Because, you know, not to mention United played today and Rashford netted an assist. But I thought Ramsdale played pretty good, um, I, I, like, in distribution-wise. Uh, which was good to see. I mean, 2-0 scoreline was just bad. It looked like it should have been, you know, 1-0 maybe. I thought it was going to go to a replay, personally. Um, mm-hmm. Then they scored the own goal, and then I just felt like Liverpool was going to, you know, net one eventually. And, I mean, Luis Diaz scored an absolute stunner of a finish. I mean, you want to talk about putting a statement on it. He had a really good game yep. as well. So, Joe Gomez, again, I left back. I mean, you talk about a guy who... It's not like Chris Collinsworth. You talk about a guy. Uh, so no, he's he a guy. Guy, you know, Going outside, it's just you know, natural center back could play right back. Now he's playing left back, putting in a good game. I mean, just goes to show he's maybe he should be getting some more playing time. But yeah, Arsenal need help. Uh, they need a nine. And Arteta keeps talking about the scans on Gabby's knee, and I, I think it's it's stupid to think that he's the same player. He he does not look quick enough now. I'm sure he'll spark a little bit in the Champions League, but he just, I don't know, he, he's very inconsistent now. And, you know, he's been had, he's had the injury problems at City, came with injury problems, got another knee injury. Uh, it's almost looking like he's, you know, the flame's kind of out for him. And to touch on your Tony point, I don't think anybody should be paying 120 pounds for Ivan Tony. And if you do, you need a new financial advisor. 
Hell yeah. <laughs> Jesus needs skin on his head because that brother, he can't finish to save his life. My God. That poor yes. bastard. It's it's actually disappointing watching that guy. And I think, you know, I actually heard a funny quote that uh he said that goal scoring is not his main game. And I yeah, think exactly. that that is absolutely fucking outrageous to even you say out loud that. as someone who considers himself as a striker. So, yeah, I, I think that's crazy. But it's hard. It's hard to see where Arsenal go from here. It really is. Yeah, it's interesting because I think I think they're I, I love their midfield players. Like I think Rice is a great player. I think Odegaard has really come into his own. But yeah, just as a team, there's just so many holes. I think there's I think there's too much um, like chatter. I guess uh, is the word I'm looking for because like everybody keeps talking about the goalkeeper situation. They can't get someone who can score consistently. It's all they talk about is Saka being their star boy, and he he's not. At right now, just not good enough to carry this whole team on his back, and I think there's just too much of this like talk and controversy out there. And I think I forget who said it now. I don't know if it was Pat or, or G, but yeah, I, I don't know if Arteta can carry this team any further than he has. I think he's I think he's done a decent job. They they this is two seasons now where they're looking like they can push a title, and then they just start to shag off. It just maybe they need someone else at the helm, someone else making decisions, um, but. To again, just make a light note of this game. I think. I think. Um, in terms, obviously, again, this doesn't have anything to do with the league, and we'll get to the league in just a sec. But the fact that I think Liverpool played a really good game, despite I think every player who they will lose in this little um, spell of uh, international competition being out already, they I think they had a great game. So I think um, they will continue pushing for that top flight spot. Yeah, I agree. I, this was a game that I watched, and I watched it pretty closely at that. But no, I, I pretty much agree with what everybody said. We saw uh, McAllister come back into the side and look great, um, which that was a welcome addition. He's somebody who I particularly enjoy watching. Um, but yeah, I think you guys hit the nail on the head. I think Liverpool um, had a typical Liverpool performance when they're in this machine type of mode where they just seem to steamroll everybody. Um, for them to go away to the Emirates without... Uh, Mohamed Salah and win 2-0, I think, says uh, everything you need to know about where Liverpool is at uh, and about where Arsenal is at. And without their destroyer, too, because, I mean, I've talked about how good Endo's without been. Without Endo, and, yeah. They play Elliot and Curtis Jones. I mean, you're talking about two players I don't rate. I think they should be on the bench. But, you know, in games like this, they get to play. And, yep. you know, they didn't play bad, but, you know, they Endo and Graven, even Gravenberch came off the bench and, you know, another bang average player for me but you know endo really makes a difference in that team and he's been pivotal for them but you know like you said they go and get the result without him without a couple players so looks like they're going to keep chugging along like normal yeah job well done uh should we get into the to the premier league table um who wants to start with that yeah i mean um liverpool Sitting currently right with that three-point lead, depending on how City play their 20th game. Could go to just a two-point lead. But that, I mean, the top is tight, right? I feel like every week we've had these conversations about, like, each week it feels like there's a new leader. Um, except for Liverpool now, I've been there for, like, a little while now. But it it's close. It's tight. I mean, Aston Villa's had an opportunity to go top, which is uh, shocking to see. City is always a sneaker pick. For the late season, especially when they have a poor run, um, 
An interesting conversation to have about this top of the table is the conversation that it seems to get thrown around um, every year is the Christmas winner. The team that sits on top at Christmas has the strong likelihood of winning the league. And the only teams to not do so have been Arsenal and Liverpool. And Liverpool was the team at Christmas. So can they break that trend? It'll be interesting. Um, how do you guys feel? Do you think they can do it? Do we, we pick them? And how about the rest? Before we jump into that, to, to one of your points, I know you said City sneak pick, but I mean, if we're being honest, they're the favorite to win the league every year. So regardless of their run of form, I mean, they're still, I looked at odds the other day, and they're still favorited to win the league because they have the game in hand. So um, I, 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 they're just, De Bruyne's back. I don't know if you guys got to watch the City game. Mm. Came back and they scored like, three goals in 10 minutes of something stupid with them playing and it was just you know it was just it's nuts crazy too that I know he had was absurd <laughs> I do think Liverpool will choke uh, as a avid Manchester United fan um, I do think they'll choke just like Arsenal did last year uh, I don't think the Christmas winner really means anything anymore especially after last year and Liverpool's done it so uh, I do like that stat, though. It's pretty cool because in recent memory, the only two teams really that obviously haven't done it are the the two teams that have always been struggling to win the league in the Premier League era. So besides, well, after, you know, after about, oh, five for Arsenal. So I don't think Aston Villa will remain in the top four. I think maybe they'll peter out. I don't think their flame's hot enough. I do see Tottenham making a run back in. Um, but I, I do think City will win the league, unfortunately, as a uh, United supporter. I think their powerhouse is just too much at times. Yeah, I mean, for me, at least for Liverpool, I think um, this Liverpool team is kind of the team that I'm watching out for right now, I think, in England. Um, at least each week, I think I find myself most, most excited to watch Liverpool out of all the teams in England. Um, it feels like they're kind of making like a rock and roll football 2.0 with, with Klopp. Uh, you know, it's no Firmino and Mane, but I think um, to be able to bring in Darwin, Gakpo, Jota, all these guys, I mean, Harvey Elliott can go forward too. And, I mean, I know they're going to lose Salah, but I don't think they're going to miss that much of a beat. I mean, they have, they have Luis Diaz too. I think they have solid options. They have probably the deepest attack in the league. So, in terms of losing Salah, I think they're the best team and probably most capable of losing a player of that caliber of anybody that's in the title fight. Um, to touch and, your point and, really quick on, I know you said Bobby Firmino. I mean, for me, I wasn't really uh, a, a big fan. I mean, I think he just gets the do- job done. I think there's a couple players you could probably slot into his role that he was. And towards the end of his career, I mean, he was, he was on the bench. So, I mean, I think yeah. that they've gone and... You know, they've gone and replaced them pretty know, well, think, and um, rightfully so. I agree, but I think that it feels like he may not be the most, like the greatest player in the world, uh, but I think his role in the team was integral and something that was really difficult for Klopp to replace. And it, we definitely saw that it took him a long time to do that. And I think that he's now now finally starting to figure that out. I mean, I think, I, I know I said it in the last couple episodes, it really feels like, this relentlessness of Liverpool is in that machine, like you said, Angie, is starting to return. And, I mean, they're, they are the only team in the Premier League that's only lost one game this season. 
And that one loss was pretty long ago. It was round seven against Spurs. So um, they haven't lost since then. I think they've been pretty pretty much the best team in England probably since round seven, since that loss. Um, it's hard to argue against that, in my opinion. So as of right now, I have to say, I think I think Liverpool have enough to get the job done. I know Man City do have that game in hand against Brentford, but that game in hand still does not get them there. They're still two points short. So I think that experience that Liverpool have also of being in a title fight and doing it time and time again with City, now that they have succeeded before, they know they have that know-how to get it done that Arsenal lack. So I think um, if there's any team that's going to dethrone Man City, I think Liverpool are the favorites to do it personally. Um, as for Villa, like you said, Pat, I don't think um, I don't see them staying up there for long. I think uh, especially once Euro- the European games come back into play, I think they're gonna they're gonna start to struggle a little bit. And I think their squad depth is going to be a real concern if they don't make any additions in the window. I don't know how you guys feel about them, but. I don't know. It's kind of hard for me to see Villa. I mean, I look at the table right now, Villa's second place, and I, I feel like most people probably don't expect Villa to be second place by the end. Yeah, I think Aston Villa are kind of the breakout team of the season or the team, per se, that uh, is definitely performing a lot better than anybody would have thought. I know they ended uh, the last campaign pretty well. Um, but to weigh in on the title race... Uh, I'm somebody who kind of also believes Man City is always going to be the favorite until proven they're not always going to be the favorite. Um, so, kind of a boring pick, but they are my pick to win um, the Premier League again. Um, because although Liverpool seem to be entering this new um, machine era again, um, I don't know. I just don't. I just don't know how much I believe in their squad and I know not always the best squad wins the Premier League but uh I just personally foresee them slipping up eventually I hate to be negative about them but I think it's going to be Man City that that ultimately get it done um and I think Patrick brings up a good point too about Tottenham I think I think if there is a team that's going to sneak into the top four right now it, it probably will be Tottenham there is a five point gap between fifth and sixth um and a six point gap between um fourth and sixth um, obviously, Arsenal and Tottenham are separated by a point. Um, and yeah, I mean, if if the trend continues for Arsenal, it's going to be very, very hard for them to stay in the top four. So I'd like to see Spurs sneak in. I think Villa probably will stay in the top four, personally, just because there is such a gap between uh, sixth place and, and the top four. But there's still plenty of games to play. There's a lot of points to be taken. So we'll see. But I think if I had to pick a top four, I think it'd be City... Uh, Liverpool in second. Uh, I think Villa will finish third, um, and Spurs will come fourth. But what do you what do you think, Nate, about the title race? Um, yeah. So I like I, I like I said when I said sleeper pick. Um, I know Pat got me on that one. Um, but what I, what I kind of what well, I kind of meant that, I kind of said that last weekend too is that City for a little while kind of did seem yeah. like an underdog. Um, yeah. 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 What. My main issue with City really is defensively they they are not the same team at all. I mean they only have five clean sheets at this point this in the season. That is not a Pep Guardiola Man City team in any point in the, in the Guardiola era, era in my opinion. Yeah, I so, mean it, I, know, I, I I was actually pretty shocked to see that they only have five clean sheets. I mean they've conceded twenty one goals. There's a few teams that have conceded less than that, 
which again is not really like City in my opinion. So I don't know. I think that's that's something that's to be decided in my opinion. I yeah, think that. I mean, I think the only thing I can question about Man City is their drive this season because they what they did last season. You know what I mean? Like I feel right. like those players have accomplished so much. They did it all. There's nothing left for them to win. You know. So I th- I think in those those split crucial seconds, those those moments, they just might have that lapse in judgment that a Villa player, a Man City player, or even maybe an Arsenal or Spurs player might not might not have. It might have that extra bit of commitment. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's interesting that you're looking at that end of the field for City because the reason why I think they're probably going to win the league is the other end of the field, and the reason being that De Bruyne is coming back healthy. Uh, Foden is in a great stretch now. It remains to be seen if he'll continue that form um, when De Bruyne comes back in the team, but a lot of us are forgetting about that big Norwegian guy, um, and he's been uh, on the sideline for the last eight City games. In that time, they've won seven uh, and drawn one in uh, they really—I wouldn't say their attack has shown any times of slowing down. I think Holland's going to come back into this team, and they're going to cruise. Um, have a really easy run of games coming up, in my opinion. They have a very favorable Champions League uh, round of 16 opponent. I think they're going to gather a lot of momentum going into the uh, game against Liverpool. Obviously, they have to go to Anfield. The game's on March 9th. Um, I think it's going to be City. They have—they have a decent stretch of. Uh, games at the end of the season too, where they're not playing uh, the greatest opponents. I would say, uh, I have Man City. But. Yeah, just to jump in, I wanted to say, uh, gee, I think you're a little, a little harsh. I mean, they are. Yeah. They do have a lot of injuries. I mean, Ruben Diaz hasn't played the whole season. Stones has been injured. Rodri's been missed games. Been hurt. Holland and De Bruyne, and they're still a game in hand. Been can be the best second right now. I think is a. You know, I mean, I hate to talk good about City, but you gotta what to, you gotta say what's a spade a spade, right? I mean, right. I think like I agree completely with Ange. That's why they're not my pick. I mean, once they get their players back, they're gonna be fully healthy, and they're they're the best team in the league, healthy all yeah. day. I mean, Rodri comes back and scores a goal and puts up a man of the match performance from CDM practically. So I, I just I don't know. I think they're inevitable for me. I don't know if Liverpool. I mean, we've seen them choke time and time again so i just don't know i do i hope they win the title no do i hope they dethrone city no two of united's biggest rivals i could really honestly care less hope they kill each other but i i do think city is going to take it and i just just want to touch i think you're a little little harsh because you know they're missing a lot of guys they're all their <laughs> starters so just wanted to you know pick on you about yeah. that a little bit yeah and i think i think they're going to begin to defend by attacking as well pretty soon it hasn't been a city team that's been as dominant, even though they've been winning games. But yeah, that's a, that's about all I have to say, pretty much on on the Premier League race. Yeah, yeah. I just wanted to give. I wanted to throw in my top five because I didn't get to. Uh, I have, like I said, I do have, I do have Liverpool winning. Um, city, I have them coming second. Um, Villa, I I did say I have them dropping out. I I actually have them dropping out of the Champions League places altogether. Believe it or not, I think Arsenal and Tottenham are going to finish third and fourth respectively. And Villa mm. will round off the European or the Europa League place in fifth. Yeah, um, it's actually my table too. So I know I didn't get mine, but that's that's my table and just flip flop one and two. I got City, Liverpool, Arsenal, Tottenham, and Villa. Yeah, I I almost got to say my top four earlier, 
Um, <laughs> but uh, but no, but um, yeah, City City like despite you critiquing them defensively, which I'm not I'm not even close to being on board with completely because they sit third in terms of goals conceded. Um, but like respect, yeah, like I like I said, every. No, at the end of the day, dude, uh, opinions are opinions, and, and like I have mine, you have yours, and that's the beauty of the sport, so I, I'm glad you shared it. Um, it's just how I view things, but I, I agree with Ange, too. I think I think City, that's always kind of been City's way to defend. They've got a, they've had a couple of good, like, obviously one of the most historic players in recent history being Vincent Company, their captain, their leader, um, but I, I think they're just a very front-heavy team a lot of the times. Um, and they just score, they just outscore their opponent. I mean, that's how they didn't win a Champions League before they did, is just conceding goals from potentially sloppy defense and stuff like that on counterattacks. Um, but yeah, I think, unfortunately, with the likes of Holland and, and KDB coming back from injury soon, um, and already actually, and then... I, and then Foden obviously playing really well, even though he's in KDB's spot. So it'll be interesting to see if he can maintain form in a different role that he was playing before and not having so much form. So I think they do end up winning the league. They edge out Liverpool. I think Liverpool just won't have that edge again like they haven't before. They tie too many games. They're not decisive enough for me. Um, and then I think, I agree. I think Arsenal dropped down. I think... Tottenham come third and Villa come fourth. I think Tottenham only had one small run of really crappy games that has led them to be where they are right now. And I think if they can recreate that beginning of the season form, maybe maybe they need a little help. They have to survive this time without Hyungman's son, which is obviously key. Um, and then from there, Arsenal, I think, maybe finish fifth unless either West Ham or Brighton have an insane run You don't believe in Arsenal that much? I just I mean, they're almost they're they're pretty much a point away from being down there in fifth. So. Yeah, I mean Jan- January is a crazy time. It's there's a lot of movement. There's a lot of I don't know. I mean we have an international break. There's there's a lot that can happen. But I get, at the end of the day, dude, it just we see it's an opinion. You have to see what happens. Um, Pat, um, probably not super relevant to definitely not relegation. Obviously, that's just never going to happen. But obviously, just probably not squeaking into that top five. United, the only team above 11th, so halfway through the table, that have a negative goal difference. Like, where yeah, do you, yeah, where do you just see United finishing the league? I, I, like, I just said that just because it's like an interesting thing to point out. But how do you finish you guys finishing the season? Like, how do you, how do you see that happening? Um, would you like the answer points-wise? Or uh, just, just, you know, standard opinion? I mean, give me, give me how, how do you think you're going to feel at the end of the season? And then you can, I would shoot a number out there and predict maybe. I want the season to be over already, honestly, but uh, we have a lot of football left. So I, I, I really do think um, that, I, I don't know, eight or ninth really is honestly what I think we're finished at. Um, obviously, you know, would love to, you know, sneak into fifth or, you know, get up there, but it's not going to happen. Um, I mean, we've been, you know, you guys, you guys know, you've been pitiful, uh, pitiful uh, we have. So, Kate, you used my stat. I used that a couple weeks ago, and it still remains true, the negative goal difference. So, glad to see, you know, still kicking in the top 10, uh, only team. I love that. Consistency uh, is key, yeah, too. You know, exactly. 
exactly. Consistency. The team's got a lot of problems. I mean, I'm I'm sure you guys have seen. I mean, they're ready to let Varane go on a free just to negotiate lower wages, and I think that is um, one of the main goals of you know you know who who came in. Uh, that's what I call them. So I, I mean, they did that at the previous club that they were at, slipping my mind now, and they were able to lower the wage bill. I mean, we have Varane, Casemiro, Mason Mount. All these players who get paid these massive amounts of money and they don't play. So, you know, Veron's missed, I think, 42% of games this year, I think I read. Um, so, I mean, obviously, can't have that happen. As good as he is, sure, but he can't pay 350, 300,000 pounds a week to sit on the bench. It just can't happen. Same thing with Anthony Martial. You know, they always see these these people saying, like, oh, yeah, the Man United is extending his contract. I guarantee you with the new owners he'll be gone because he gets paid too much money to sit. Um, I really hope that, you know, maybe we can grab a player in January, spice up the team a little bit. But, um, I mean, for me, with, you know, Ahmad being back and healthy, I think he's going to be our spark to hold us a little bit. Um, so I'm excited to see the players that will be returning next season play. That's all I can really say. Um, I'm excited for, like, you know, I want to see, I want to see Kabi. I want to see Ahmad. I want to see Garnacho. I want to see these guys play. I want to see Malasia come back and play. I want to see what, you know, how Dalo and Wambisaka play because really all I have to look forward to is for next season. I don't have anything to look forward to for the rest of this season except them playing decent football. I don't have Europe to look forward to. I have the FA Cup, um, but other than that, I mean, really, yeah, it's great. We play Tottenham next. It would be nice to beat them if we don't, which I'm not expecting to. You know, we're kind of we're kind of in one of those modes, as bad as it is to say as a fan. Obviously, I want us to win every game, but, you know, it's realistically, realistic opinion, they won't. So, uh, I just want to see some, you know, good players, good chemistry, and, and look forward to, you know, next season at this point yeah, already. Think, um, for me, I, I really wanted to ask you this, actually, Pat, because mm. I don't know, I'm a little confused by this whole Sancho, Sancho situation, really. Yeah. And, I guess the situation surrounding Ten Hag as a whole, because I know this week uh, he had meetings with Sir Jim and uh, the NEOS group, and Ten Hag's takeaway was that those meetings were positive, that they're on the same page, and that they seem to be moving in the same direction. But they loaned Sancho for only six months. So Sancho's coming back at the end of the season. Now my question is, why? Why is he going to come back if we already know that Ten Hag doesn't want him? So why not get rid of him now? And that makes me believe that Ten Hag's position is not as certain as he's making it out to, to seem, in my opinion. Because clearly, if they're going to bring Sancho back in the summer, they're not so sure that Ten Hag's going to be there when Sancho comes back in July. Right. So I was just wondering so, what your take was on that. Yeah, one thing to think about, um, it's sad to say, but football nowadays has become um, a business. So they can't take that big of a loss on Sancho right now, um, especially with all the money that we spent. So for them to loan with no buy option is literally just a way to, I think, get their eyes on Sancho. More people see him flourish in a team that he once played in and maybe boost his market value a little bit. Because mm. if he comes back, there'll be a different coach. And if he gets sold, Ten Hogs will stay. Ten Hag will stay. So I, I, I do like your point. Um, I, I don't know if 
I think he's a very confident person. Uh, so I don't know if, uh, you know, his thought process is the most sane, but um, if he thinks it's going well, I mean, for him, sure, fine. But, you know, a lot of the the position that we're in right now is, you know, he's part to blame. So he, he can't sit there and say, you know, I didn't get all the players I wanted. I mean, some of the purchases he was making for absurd amounts of money, the players he wanted were, you know, not very good. So, uh, but to the Sancho point, if he comes back, great. If they repair the relationship, great. But I, I genuinely think that he'll be gone um, next summer. I think they're just going to try to get, you know, market value on him. Yeah, I think... Um, get him to play a little bit. Yeah, I think United are in an interesting position. Um, I think they they really need to make something happen in this kind of time period to be able to maintain that upper upper half of the table. Honestly, I think there's worries that you guys could drop into the lower half and look like a Chelsea. Um, and I, it looks like Ange has, might have a word to say about that and agree with me. Um, I'll, I'll, no, just, I'll just throw I, it. At, yeah. Yeah, I do. Um, I, want, I wanted to let uh, these guys finish their points. I think, uh, I think there's a couple cracks uh, being papered over right now with United, as bad as they've been playing, there's a couple points I want to make. I thought it was very interesting that um, against a League 3 side uh, who are 18th, Ten Hag fielded his best 11 available. Now, I understand you want to win every game, but I think like Ten Hag knows that like Wigan aren't that good of an opponent, but they are desperate for any sort of momentum for this first 11. Um, I thought it was like kind of telling that he played a full-strength 11. Um, and the other point I wanted to make was, you know, Newcastle are like very injured. Uh, Brighton are very injured. United are very injured. Now, it remains to be seen uh, whose team is going to get fit the fastest. Um, but I think if like if Newcastle wasn't so injured, I think Man United would be below them. And if Chelsea didn't start out as bad as they did, they'd probably be below them. Um, it's a Chelsea side that have been kind of ramping things up in recent weeks. They're starting to string together some good results. Um, I think if United don't wake up quick, they could finish as low as 10th. Um, I can't see them finishing below Wolves and Bournemouth. If they finish below Wolves and Bournemouth, I mean... I'm not going to even know. I don't think anyone's going to know what to say or think. Ten Hag certainly won't be in the job. Um, but with that being said, the light at the end of the tunnel is, you know, they're, they're three points off sixth. I think if they can finish in the top six, um, which is more than doable with the crop of players they have, um, and it's a United team that has been trending upwards in performances as well, despite the loss to um, Nottingham. So we'll see. I don't. I don't know, but... I know I said this last podcast. I genuinely like don't know what to say about United or what to think, um, but I can't see them finishing lower than tenth, even if Newcastle and Chelsea start to play better than them. So we'll see. I just like what you said about the injuries, because I mean everybody just says you know United below. Yeah, let's so. not be. Yeah, let's not be but, silly. I mean, I mean they're missing Casemiro and they're missing yeah. Lissandra Martinez, like two huge starters that make a ginormous difference in our team. I mean, it seems like it seems like last year every single offensive possession started with, you know, Licha going forward, driving it as that, you know, center back CDM kind of role that he shifts yeah. into on offense, you know, and picking out those passes and just opening teams up. I mean, and Casemiro being a rock. I mean, can you imagine, uh, like, Kabi and Casemiro playing together? Like, that's what I want to see, you know, and I think right. 
you know, once we get Lisandro back and once we get Casemiro back, I think the, the results will come genuinely. Um, yeah. Because they've been out all season. I mean, we haven't had Lisandro all season, our starting center back. So Yeah, it, I agree. I, I think that's really what killed us because you go inside Johnny Evans for one year just to get some right. legs out there because everybody else is fucking terrible. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I'm glad. Good performances. I'm glad you bring Johnny Evans' name up because if I'm going to be really critical, I think there's about five names um, in this United squad that are even United-level uh, type of players. There's, in my opinion, been nobody on the bench in these last four or five games that is worthy of starting for United. I'm shocked that they're even in the United team. I he, There's been a lot of youngsters on the bench, and that's not to say that the youngsters um, can't play because they have a lot to prove. They're not really the, necessarily the ones that I'm speaking about or looking at right now. Um, at the 11 that was fielded today, but I don't think any Manchester United fan wants to see McTominay playing. Um, you know, it's cool that he's a homegrown lad and whatever, he's United through and through, as they say, but there's a couple players, especially on the bench these last couple games that honestly, like, don't even, they, they're barely... We don't have anybody you know, They're, else. Bar- they're barely the Premier League level players, so yeah, I, I do, as much as it might look bleak for United, I I, I do try to be realistic, so... I appreciate that, but like those are the subs because we don't have anybody else. Yeah. Nobody's fit. It's to just play. what it is right now. I mean, it, you've been dealt some fit. shitty hands. Like nobody's yeah. fit at all, and it's like yeah. every single first team player is <clears throat> injured practically. Every sub is injured or playing, so it's like we're at this this crossroad, you know. And I don't like to blame the coach for injuries that much. I like to feel. I like to blame him for the decision he makes. Right. So, I mean. If he has to start McTominay because nobody else is fit, I mean, I would like to see Hannibal play a little bit more. Um, right. You know, but other than that, I mean, Palestri maybe, just to get some spark in there instead and give Garnacho a break. But he's been on good form. I mean, how could you, you know, sit him? Yeah, yeah. and it's like you bring up Palestri again. Like, you know who made a bid today for Facundo Palestri? LA Galaxy. Like, there's MLS teams that think they can go grab some of these United squad players. Like, right. that's the state of United right now, and it is what it is. Like, I hate to be that guy, but, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Well, it's, almost, <clears throat> really, it's not too much to be expected right now. Yeah. Yeah, I fully I fully I agree. Yeah, uh, I fully agree. I fully agree United um, are dealing with injuries along with a lot of other teams. I, I actually took some screenshots of the current table because um, I think – I think while we all had a similar five in the top five, it's just a matter of where you put them. I think this mid, mid middle of the table prem is going to be insane. I think it's going to move a lot. Um, yeah. When everybody comes to injury, not that it has much relevance in terms of like Europe or anything, but I think it's just going to be fun to look at later. Um, but yeah, relegation. I think I think a couple of weeks ago people would have pinned three teams that came up to go straight back down. But I want to say I think Luton. Yep. I think Luton have the potential if they can keep. They've they've figured out a little something to pick up points. Here and there, and I think if they can keep that up, just pick up enough to save themselves from not going back down. Um, I think it's going to be interesting. I do think the other two, Burnley and Sheffield, are just just going back down. They just don't have any glimmer of hope. But I think Luton is the big contender of those three to fight to not go down. And I would actually kind of love for them to do it because if they can stay up, keep a little prem money, um, have mm-hmm. a little fun, that'd be dope. Yeah, I'll be very upset if everything goes down, honestly. Upset? Yeah. I don't like to see the people down, especially with the point deduction. They're kind of 
fighting something they can't even really, yeah. you know. Right. Everybody and, forgets and, they had a point deduction, so. Right. Yeah. And despite the point deduction, to be honest, I think it's all over. I, I don't, I can't see Luton, Burnley, or Sheffield getting out. Sheffield's been one of the worst Premier League teams of all time, at least that I've ever seen. They, they stink. Um, and I just think Everton just have way more quality than what should be in the relegation zone. I know they were in a scrap to get relegated last year, and they ultimately got out. I think it's going to be the same thing again. The team above them, Brentford, is getting their talisman back. I mean, if Ivan Tony, I mean Ivan Tony is fully capable of bagging double-digit goals the second half of the season. I don't think anybody we would be surprised if he was inserted in that Brentford team and did that, despite them playing pretty bad as well. Um, and then Luton to Forest in 15th, a five-point gap, and it's a Forest team who have new life, have new blood. Um, Nuno Espiritu Santo is a great coach, in my opinion. I never thought he should have got sacked by Wolves. He had a tough start, but I think he's approved. I think he's a decent Premier League caliber manager, so I, I think it's all over. I don't, I don't think they have much of a chance. It'd be cool to see Luton fight to the end, like you said, Nate, but I don't think the, I don't think the bottom three will change. What do you think, John Luca? I agree. I, I I feel exactly the same. I think the bottom three is going to stay as it is. Uh, it, w- yeah. it would be nice to see Luton stay up. You know, Kenilworth Road is just, it's a great place to watch games. I think that's somewhere I would like to visit one day just because of the, the vibe right. of that stadium. I think it's awesome. But, yeah, I, I don't see them. I don't think they have the quality to stay up. Um, Burnley, I, I'm a little su- surprised, I, would, I think. Um, I don't know. I think company is someone I expected maybe a little bit more from. But I don't think company will be there, regardless of where Burnley finished this season. So, no, I think he should have stayed uh, coaching in the Jupiler Pro League. Personally, I think Burnley try to play a way too expansive brand of football. They absolutely ran through the championship last season, scoring goals for fun. But I think he just tried to implement a system in the Premier League that leaves them too open, and they maybe don't have the quality to sustain. I mean, they've conceded forty-one goals in twenty games. Uh, that's pretty poor. Obviously, Sheffield have conceded more because they suck. But yeah, I'd, averaging two goals conceded a game uh, spells disaster. Um, in my opinion. Yeah. So yeah. <clears throat> that right. Before I put a pin in it, Pat, do you fully agree that those three stay, or do you have a a sneaker pick that's going down? Um. Yeah, I mean, I I agree. I don't think Everton will go down. I mean, with Ivan Tony coming back, I don't think Brentford will go down. Nottingham no Forest has beat United and Newcastle in the last two games. They won't go down. The only team that I could possibly see slipping is Crystal Palace. If they gotcha. lose Olise this January. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Strike of lightning. They yep. I mean, they really haven't been good. I, I don't think no. anyway. Um, I think they've had a pretty poor season so far. I mean... It's uh, they're they're a tough team because you know they're always they're one of those Premier League teams you always want to fight for and with Roy Hodgson coming back you know you you expect but the, the team has been decent but the goals really don't come from anywhere else besides like Eze, Ayu or Olise so if they lose one it almost feels like you know they're not going to have enough quality to you know to keep up and with the teams below them playing better there's a chance that they could just, you know, have a fall. I mean, they beat Brentford was their last win in the Prem, so, and they're below. Yeah. And with Ivan Tony, like I said, coming back, I mean, we're looking at a little bit of a relegation battle with um, the third spot. Because I, th- I do think Lewin could stay up, but it all depends on talent. I, I, yeah. I agree with that 100%. Partnership of Eze and Elise is crucial, absolutely crucial in Crystal Palace having any say in survival. I think if they lose him, 
I don't think it's likely they'll lose him. I think they'd be absolutely fucking out of their rockers to sell him at this point in the yeah. season. But um, yeah, that 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 duo is the enough quality in my opinion to keep them up for now. Yeah, I think um, I think obviously I had wishful thinking. Um, but again, if Luton stay up, it's not going to be so much their ability to do so and more that a team slips like Pat mentioned. I think, um, you guys are all right. And I think the also, but the other two are just shit out of luck. Um, but it would be fun to see Luton stay up. And then if Luton do go down, I think they have a lot of positives to take away. And if they can come back up, um, they can go from there for sure. Um, I guess to put a pin in everything, we pick our five aside for the Prem. Obviously, a, a league full of world-class players, so it can be a difficult conversation, um, but we can try to make it brief with a bit of discussion. G, I'll let you lead the conversation for goalkeeper um, with your first-hand experience. Yeah, I think... Uh, you, better, you better say who I want you to say. I'll be upset. I think there's only one answer, really, for goalkeeper. It's got to be Guillermo Vicario. I think he's... He's, in my opinion, if it's not kudos, I think Vicario has been the signing of the summer in the Premier League. Personally, good I think, answer. Uh, I think he's made it the, all the different difference in the world. To I think uh, you can see the difference in quality of goalkeeping between him and Hugo Lloris. I mean, Hugo Lloris is shipped off to the MLS now, so that tells you everything you need to know about his situation there. Mm. So yeah, I think um, yeah, I really don't even think there's any. I don't even think there's an argument for anybody else, in my opinion. I mean, you could say Ederson and Allison just because of their stature in the game at this point in their careers, but I think uh, it has to go to Vicario, and I'm not even saying that because of my Italian bias. I don't, I, I don't think there's anybody else. You can do it, yeah, I, but, I mean, Allison has been incredible the last five good. seasons. He's mm-hmm. undoubtedly, I think, the best. I think he's the best, that's for me. Vicario, fine, yeah. no problem. You can you can have it, but for me, Alisson is the best keeper in the league. Easy. He's been for the last Believe five. So. Believe me, as as a Roma fan, and Alisson pretty much making a name for himself in the world game yeah, at Roma, I, I have been the biggest of Al- support of Alisson since pretty much he signed. I, I rated him before he was even the number one for us. I thought he was going to be one of the best. And, um, yeah, I do really love him. I think he's certainly one of the top two, if not the best goalkeepers in the world right now. But I think I have to give it to Vicario because this is his first season in the Premier League. And I think to come in and to really make that much of an adjustment to the this style of play and to play in this system with Ange yeah. and do it so successfully, I mean... I think if you put I think if you put Man United if you put Vicario in Man United's team he does way better than Onana does personally, so mm. that's where I'm at with him. Yeah, yeah, and I think yeah. with Vicario it's it's the types of saves that he's made. He's made some like outrageous. How did he even get to that ball? Type yeah. of saves. The only other goalkeeper I wanted to kind of show some love to is actually Emmy Martinez. I think Emmy Martinez has had some standout performances, particularly. Um, in the big games against City and Arsenal, where we mm-hmm. saw Villa keep clean sheets, but yeah, I think it's Vicario just for the level of impact as well. That that would be my pick. What what do you think about the goalkeepers, Nate? Yeah, I think um, I think this this will probably stand true with a lot of our picks for this five aside is the fact that it's not always so much like looking at the numbers. Like obviously Liverpool have the least conceded and all that, but Liverpool's like current top spot isn't so much from how well they defend while obviously it's true that they have the best defensive record it's more so like we've talked about how well they attack and how well they move forward and how well they control the midfield and i think tottenham's crap spell that they had could have been 
longer, wider, worse if they didn't Much have worse. if they didn't have Vicario making those saves. So in terms of importance Agreed. of this first half of the season, I think yeah. Vicario is a solid pick. I'm gonna be uh, I'm gonna be an asshole once again. Uh, I don't know if you guys I know you guys don't like the stats, but Vicario's conceded 29 goals. I know, just yeah. You know. I think I'm it's just bringing of, it up. I think it's because of the. I think it's because of the back line situation. I know I was going to bring that up as well, but then I, I thought about like the makeshift, you know, four full back lines that he's had to My play in front of. Vicario, the re- another reason why I shout Vicario too is like, there's so many times where you see a goalkeeper come into the league and they catch shit immediately. Like, yeah. everybody's talking about them. They make one mistake, oh, no, no. and it's you never hear the end of it. Vicario. Yeah, exact. My point exactly. Yeah, he's Vicario, got uh, one more clean sheet and two left goals. Probably, I would say, I would say probably the right. first ten weeks of the Premier League, Vicario really was not spoken much of. I mean, he made some good saves here and there. I, I, I had my eyes on him obviously because I was well yeah. aware of who he was. But I think in the overall grand scheme of things, not a lot of people were paying much attention to him. But now that they've realized, holy shit, this guy is not only a world-class goalkeeper and makes unbelievable saves, but he's consistent and he does it week in and week out. And he doesn't make stupid mistakes, which you see a lot of these guys who come into the Premier League do. <clears throat> so I yeah. think that that's really, I think that, that that really seals the argument, in my opinion, for Vicario. Yeah. To make two fast yeah. points and then move position. Uh, I, I also think that to agree with Ange, if we give credit to United for having their injuries, I think Tottenham's injuries have been heavy at the back and they've had a lot of different, like Ange said, a lot of different back lines. So that's tough to deal with. As well as the fact that I think uh, Vicario stepped into a role where Tottenham have had the same number one in, in like at the club for oh, a yes. long time. A long time. Loris was always yeah. arguably one of the best keepers in the world, oh, arguably one of the best keepers. You know what I mean? That's an important pair of shoes to fill, pair of gloves to fill, um, and I think he's done so very well, so credit to where it's due. As far as defenders, uh, probably lean towards Liverpool defenders only because of their, uh, again, their defensive record. Um, anyone just in the entire prime that stands out as just a solo man, not so much for their entire team? Uh, I wanted to shout out Pau Torres. I think okay. um, he's been really integral, I think, to Villa's charge up the table. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think he was really good at all, to be honest with you, in the first two, three games maybe. But now that he's found his feet and gotten comfortable, I mean, I, I know he knows Emery well from their time together at Villarreal. But I think since that run of three games, he's really taken like a duck to, the, duck to water to this Aston Villa team. And I think he's probably their best uh the best player for them defensively. So he gets my shout. Um, I think I, I mostly agree with Nate. I think I'm going to ultimately pick a Liverpool player. If there's somebody that I wanted to show love to, um, it appreciated be Kieran Trippier. I think he's been uh, exemplary for Newcastle. I know they took a dip in form, but I think his individual performances has been good. He's He's uh, chalked up seven assists so far in this season as well from fullback. Uh, he's obviously always been a great set-piece taker. I think he's vitally important to what Newcastle is doing this season. I know, like I said, they took a dip in form, but that was kind he's of to be expected. About, he's also out, given about um, five assists to the other team in the last six games with all his I know. mistakes. Well, that's why I'm not picking him. Because um, I would pick Trent Alexander-Arnold. I think he's been... 
Uh, just out of this world. He has a wand for a right foot, and I know he kind of sucks defensively, but it's been a while since he's been uh, kind of embarrassed and made a meme of, so that's pretty good. Um, and I just think everything he does going forward for Liverpool, it's what makes that machine uh, tick, in my opinion. I think if you took Trent out of that team, they would lose a gear. Um, so my my pick personally would be Trent. Um, what do you think, Pat? You're our, you're our resident, pretty much our resident uh, center back and defender. Yeah, a couple of names come to mind. I mean, not really my team of the season, but like a team of the mid-year, I should say. Uh, Craig Dawson, I wanted to shout him out again. I mean, he's yep. Premier League legend, it seems like. And he's, I mean, he puts up, I, he plays good every game to me. Um, give my give some love to my boy, Varane. I mean, every time he plays, he looks great. It just sucks that he can't stay fit. Yeah. Um, but I would also have to be between a Liverpool player. I'm, I, I have been a huge fan of watching Konate play this year. Nice. As well. But I, I, I'm i I'm hesitant to choose him because I would also like to choose Trent. Yeah. But I would also like to choose Van Dyke because I think Van Dyke is back to his top, top, top level that he was at. and He looks mm. great. Um, but I'm going to give mine to Konate for filling in the shoes and him being strong quick i mean he doesn't it looks like he never gets beat so i i yeah. for me i'm really enjoying watching him play as much as it pains me to say but that's my uh my defender right now yeah he's really nice. stepped into that role next to van dyke who we've probably had a question mark for a while now of who is going to take over that role between himself matip and gomez and i think that he's really solidifies him solidified himself as uh virgil's pairing yeah um i don't mind that I think uh, just an honorable mention because I think he stepped in after a summer move to the Premier League. I think Vardiol, I've also kind of always liked him. He's been a, a little a, a young defender. It's promising. I think he's been great for City. Um, a couple, Just three quick names that actually ha are leading the stats for certain defensive actions. Nico Williams is, has the most successful tackles per 90, and I think he's a great player. Anthony Robinson has the most interceptions per uh, per ninety, and your boy Varane has the most clearances per ninety. He just needs to play more nineties, um, personally. But yeah, I think uh, I think Konate is a strong pick for uh, for defender of the midseason. Anthony Robinson is actually an interesting name you mentioned there because I've I was been just, seeing. I was thinking that too. I've been a, seeing a, a lot job. of links, a lot of links between him and Liverpool. And we know. That their situation right now in the left in the left back. I don't know kind if you guys dire. saw on Twitter. Um, he quoted uh, the uh, team of the so far team of the season so far. Yeah, and it was like the uh, it was that like clown emoji. Clown. Yeah, it was pretty yeah. funny because uh, he you know he was next to you know Van Dyke all these mm. you know all these guys and it's Anthony Robinson. So I do really like that show. I actually yeah he has been good. Down, but I don't have my my notebook. Um, I, I was going to mention him because he's been a shocking season, in my opinion, like, in a good way. I wasn't expecting yeah. him to play that well. I agree. didn't know his stats were that good. When I watched him yeah. play, I don't really yeah. think, you know, think too much of it. But, you know, after reading and seeing all this st the stuff, I think it's, 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 you know, it's good for him. And it's cool to see a different name out there. For sure. Yeah, um, good for U.S. soccer, too. Yeah. Obviously, the numbers don't always speak all the all the tales, but we'll move to midfield. I know Andrew's itching for it. Um, <laughs> uh, 
normally this is wrapped up, right? This this spot normally always goes to one of Roger or KDB, but they've missed a lot of this season. Um, so I think yep. it's I think it's open for interpretation. Um, if anybody has a name they want to throw out there. Uh, well, there's a couple names I kind of feel obligated to start. Um, I think Douglas Luiz at Villa has taken a step up in his career. Mm-hmm. I know I said that I don't think he's worth 100 million pounds because I don't, but he's been really good. Um, Declan Rice has done about as well as I think people would have expected him to do, uh, anchoring Arsenal's midfield. He's probably been their best player this season. In my opinion, I'm not sure what uh, the FOTMOB <clears throat> ratings say, but he's been really good. Um, another name, and I think... He would have had this spot wrapped up given his start to the season. Uh, James Madison was on fire um, for Spurs at the beginning of the season. He was, a, in my opinion, uh, the main man, uh, more than Hyungman's son to start the season. Uh, he was a big reason why Ange Ball hit the ground running, but he's obviously missed some games. Um, and with all that being said, that leads me to my pick. Uh, and I would pick Pascal Gross. Um, maybe it's a little prisoner of the moment pick, but I think he's been in phenomenal form. Um, I think if Brighton... Uh, had saw him get injured, they'd be a lot further down the table than they are, despite the injuries they already have. Um, that would be my pick, but I wanted to show love to a couple uh, holding midfielders like Louise and Rice, because that is, of course, what I played, and it's usually my favorite position uh, to watch on the field when I watch games, so I do tend to keep my eye on them. Uh, but I'm going to go with Pascal Gross. If not him, it should probably be Declan Rice. What do you guys think? I actually uh, really like the Douglas Luiz shout. Uh, he was mm. my pick. For yeah, he's been unbelievable. I think he's probably the most integral player to that Aston Villa team. I think if you take him out, they lose a lot of their ability to retain the ball and their ability yeah. to control the game and control the midfield. So I think um, I think he's a great shout, personally. I also um, Fair. I wanted to put a spotlight on Paqueta, too, because I think he's taken a massive step up this season. And I think... Nice. Uh, the addition of Kudus, who's, in my opinion, been, if not, if it's not Vicario, I think Kudus has been the signing of the summer in the Premier League. I think he's he's changed this West Ham team drastically in all facets, into the midfield, in their attack, uh, in their defense. I think he's he's improved everything about them, and especially in Paqueta's game as well. So I think uh, he's taken a big step up this season. And I don't know if you would ca- classify Kudus as a midfielder, but if you do, I think he could be a shout in there as well. Mm. Yeah, I'm up. I'm. I was there with uh, if James Madison had played just a couple more games and kept form. I, oh, I almost unbelievable. I almost think I would have just handed him handed him the spot right then. Um, yeah, I do. Pascal Gross is a, is a great shout. I I do love Bernardo Silva um, in City, but he, I think he gets outshined yeah. a lot in a lot of cases. I but I think he's a slept on player a lot of times. Doesn't always get the credit he deserves. I think, um, yeah, I think, I think I'm good with, I'm good with Gross, um, even though I think West Ham's that trio too has a lot of uh, competition for that spot. But again, I think it's the three of them together that make it up and not one individually is the best in the Prem. Um, I agree. What do you think, Patrick? Weigh in, weigh in on this. Um. I feel like any that was, any um, United any United favorite. shouts there for for me? Yeah, I mean McTominay. Everybody's most everybody's most hated player. Uh, you know, Bruno, yeah. Bruno. Just Bruno. Of yeah. course. I mean, yeah. talking about a workhorse guy, you can't replace him. He's unreal. Yeah, as much as as much bullshit chances as he gives away, or he's still creating three a game. So I mean, him alone is just fantastic. 
gross, obviously. I still still like Rodri, man. I mean, without him, they are yeah. a different team. Uh, it's tough to really choose, but uh, it seems like the consensus is gross, and I'm happy with that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah this, this flex pick coming up is going to be tough, I think. I think it's going to be tough. Uh, I th- and, and, like, to give Bruno a little love, like you said, he gets a lot of hate. I think if United have – I mean, yeah. we talk about how they can't score goals. I think if United have a goal scorer, you, Bruno's, like, numbers get padded. You know what I mean? If he has a Holland in front of him that can just 100%. bang his goals. He has – Bruno has – if we look at numbers as we do every now and then after, during these discussions, he has 54 chances created. Um, and that's the most in the Premier League. So, how many assists did he have with that? <clears throat> and with with the yeah, fifty four chances, he has three. Assists? He has three assists. I mean, only three, <laughs> dude. Yeah. So that is disgusting. I mean, oh my god, I would be disgusted with my teammates, dude. That's that's less than ten percent. <laughs> you're, you're looking at like seven eight percent of your chances created are going in the back of the net. So it's he should fifty four chances created. He should have. He should be right at the top of the leading assists. He should be right up there with Salah and Watkins on eight. Yeah, he's practically leading um, in all the expected um, assist categories. He's also completed the most passes in the Premier League. He's completed um, the most accurate long balls as well. He's definitely what makes that team tick. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, we'll see. Fully we'll see agree. if there's a place for him. I fully agree. Um, forward. I mean, is it is it easy? Is it difficult? One answer. I don't want to answer. Mo Salah. Mo Salah. It can't be anybody else. You can Has argue for a flex, but it can't. You can't have this team without Mo. If yeah. Holland didn't get hurt, that's your only argument. But other than that, yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe you could toss Ollie Watkins in there just on the form he's been on. Yeah. Um, but other than that, I, I I don't know how you could put anybody in there in this fourth spot besides Salah right now. Yeah, three good yeah, shouts. I'm good, I'm good with Mom. Yeah, because Salah. all three names we just said are the three leaders for goals and, and assists. And so the look on your face, they're a little. Uh, it looked like you were gonna disagree. No, I just feel bad that I think there's there's John Luca brought up Ali Watkins, and I I feel bad uh, for someone like Holland who's been hurt. Um, and I I'll give love. Or if we want to just move to the flex spot now, and we'll start spitballing names. Because um, the first name I did want to bring up was is Hugman's son. I think Hugman's son's had a brilliant season as well. Um, it makes it. I think he makes a strong case for forward. But like we all said, it's it's going to be nobody but Salah. Um, but yeah, another guy. Stuff. Another guy like you just said that really uh, is it's unfortunate, and we haven't even really mentioned him at all today. Is Dominic Solanke. I mean, he scored 12 goals in the Premier League this season. Mm-hmm. And, a Bo- and a Bournemouth side. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and let's, yep. let's be real here. Bournemouth, I don't think anybody expected them to be doing what they're doing at this point in the season. And no. um, I, think, I, think we, I think we all need to give our props to Andoni Areola because I think everybody expected him to crash and burn at the start of the season and to see where they are now and to see that the, the brand of football that they're playing and um, to see Solanke doing the things he's doing, I think it's pretty impressive. It, I think if Mo Salah doesn't have the outrageous form that he does, I think Solanke's probably in there for the flex shout. Yeah. I, he, I, he I, say, I say we try to narrow it down to three names, and I'm going to do my best to give three names and see if there's anyone we want to take out of that. Because um, the three that stand out to me personally would be Douglas Louise, um, Hyungman's son, and probably Rodri, 
Um, but I know he's missed a couple of games. Um, Can I for... toss one out there? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Wang Hee Chan. No, no, he, he doesn't make it. He's had good, he's had good performances, him, uh, but yeah, thirteen goals and assists off of the the newly expected eight point three, which is I think pretty cool. He's outshined his expected goals and assists, which is I think who is this pretty, now? Pretty weird stat. Wang Yi Chin. He's got oh, thirteen wow. goals and assists to a expected eight point three, which is you know what the new stat yeah, is. Obviously, it's pretty pretty cool. Uh, speaking of your new stat, not that we're just going to sit here and read off every stat in the prem, but Ollie Watkins and Youngman's son, who both sit at 17, both sit at just over 11 for expected. Um, for so what? Contra- they have total goal contributions. Total, total goal. Yep, exactly. That's actually my third. I changed that. I think it should be between Watkins, Douglas Louise, and Youngman's son for the flex, personally. Yeah, I, f- I probably... F- I like Ollie Watkins. I, I I probably fully agree. I think I do think when we have this conversation in about uh, four or five months, there's going to be a lot more city oh, players. There's going to be a lot more city players in here. Um, maybe we'll yeah. just we'll we'll we'll, uh, we'll probably take advantage of the time now to not include any. Um, mm. But I like. Let's take Watkins. Yeah, I like Watkins. I, like Watkins. I think Villa sitting in second place halfway through the season is. I like. I like awesome. Watkins too. I think I it's think, awesome. I do think Cole Palmer deserves a shout too. I think wow, he, he's somebody, he interesting. He, he might s- him. Nah, he might sneak in at the end. I don't Maybe. think he's done enough yet. Yeah, not yet. Maybe. But I do have a that five. I do have a quick question because I think the Prem has a lot of weight in the football world. Who manages this five mm-hmm. aside halfway through the season? I'm giving my team to Andoni Iraola on God. Interesting. He's That's my crazy. So <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna pick another Spaniard. Actually, I, I would give it to Unai Emery. I was I was going there. That's where I was going. Yeah, I think it would be Emery. So far, I think what he's been able to do with his Villa side, um, in the position that he has them in, the results that they've had, I would I would say I would say it'd be Emery. And I think that yeah, that, was, that was my pick too. Yeah, I think, and I think we've we've predicted. Aston Villa to fall some some spots towards the end of the season, and I don't think it's going to be because of anything he does. It's all going to be about what they can what they can manage as a squad. You know what I mean in terms of energy yeah. and uh, rotation. So I think yeah, I think Unai Emery is the manager of the half. Definitely half not season. giving my team to Vincent Company. I'll Ooh. tell you that. I ain't giving it to Ten Hagas for sure. Even the Sean Dyche. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who's your Who's your manager? that wraps up part one of our mid-season review we finished covering the Serie A and the Premier League keep your eye out for part two we're going to be covering the Portuguese League La Liga Bundesliga and a bit of League One also make sure you're keeping up with Patricio Romano as he's been keeping us updated with all the latest transfers keeping up with all the biggest news biggest rumors around Europe definitely keep your eye out for that video and at the end of the day you just got to keep on being a simple person